This is from The People's Elbow, 30 Recitatives on Rape and Wrestling. Uh, number one. The People's Elbow is one of The Rock's best-known signature moves. It is simple the way wrestling is simple. It is a classic elbow drop in which wrestler A plunges his body backwards and downwards like he's taking a fall and drives his elbow into wrestler B's limp body on the way down. The People's Elbow is beauty the way wrestling is beauty. Clean and gratifying, a winner and a loser. In a rape, too, is immediacy and visibility, clean strokes and gratification. A winner, a loser, every time, every single time. Here's uh, Rax King, uh, R-A-X King, and uh, the, her name, I assume, is a pun on with me always saying Yas Queen when I was reading her book. Uh, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah. Actually, that would be incredibly inappropriate. Um, but, okay, so she's got a book out on Ursus Americanus Press called The People's Elbow. And it's good as hell. It's so damn good. Um, it's uh, so Rex. Can you just like give us a brief intro to the people's elbow and like because it, it's not. I'm guessing like many poetry books out there, right? Or, yeah, I, has poetry totally changed since the last time I read it when I was like 16 reading Hell? Yeah, no, pretty much every poetry book now is actually prose poetry, and it's about wrestling, so awesome. you missed the boat entirely. Oh, uh, no. um, oh shit, I'm so... a big poetry fan now. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, my book, The People's Elbow, and I guess for any listeners who might prefer not to listen to me talk about this, um, the subject matter is kind of... 6040 Rape and Wrestling. The full title is 30 Recitatives on Rape and Wrestling. And um, the place that this book came from is that I am a rape survivor myself. And at some point shortly after I was raped, I started having these recurring dreams where I was interviewing The Rock over like a steak dinner. And just totally unrelated in any way to what had happened to me or to feeling traumatized or angry. And that happened so many times that I started to want to sit with it and wonder, like, why at this point in my life am I suddenly the eight-year-old child fully obsessed with Dwayne The Rock Johnson again, just like I was when I was a kid. And it was the Attitude Era of wrestling, and wrestling was awesome. <laughs> and... I came up with sort of a poetic thesis on trauma and healing from trauma and strength and masculinity and how those all intersect with one another. Yeah, and it's pretty incredible. Um, oh, hold on. Um, Nanga, I don't know if that's at your end, but I'm getting like a lot of like, sounds like you're breathing through your nose or something. That might actually be me breathing through my nose because I've yeah, sinus your problems. Sound, your sound quality is good, but there's a lot of like, yeah. I don't know if I'm going to be able to edit that out. Um, oh, no. <laughs> oh. <clears throat> okay. Love too technical. Um, I have my <laughs> laptop up. Oh, no. No, that it seems okay now. Uh, yeah, okay. I think it's okay. I'm going to lower my mic away from my mouth zone. The technical term is mouth hole. Yeah, that's true. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, it sounds fine now. Uh, so yeah, so why the rock exactly? Honestly, I mean, first and foremost, he's probably the world's very most famous wrestler or wrestling adjacent person at this stage. He's just so larger than life anymore and i think that was even true when he was famous just for wrestling 
it oh, was yeah. like and, the biggest yeah. thing they had going and in terms of size and in terms of personality and charisma and i suppose he just stuck with me in a way that stone cold steve austin did not and i just still really love and admire him and love to see his movies even when they're pretty terrible love to see any wrestling that reminds me of him i still really love the rock i live that life i understand this uh this uh subconscious psychic obsession with the rock to the point where you see a skyscraper and you're like this is not and sounds like we could go and you're like we can't go you don't (laughs) (laughs) you don't understand (laughs) yeah i'm not like a big wrestling fan at all but i love the rock like i've i've watched a lot more of his movies than i have any right to he he does have a crazy charisma and which you highlight in the book it's always weird to watch his movies too because it's just like you're clearly the biggest person alive like how am I supposed to believe that you're just some scientist or working man or whatever so he really makes sense as a wrestler and only as a wrestler to me but I'll watch him do anything have you seen Skyscraper is it good it's probably bad right I yeah, honestly it's... haven't seen it yeah please how was it it's, um it's not it so it uh he saw die hard and was like I could die hard and someone was like <laughs> please don't die Dwayne and he's like <laughs> get me a skyscraper and they're like what and he's like and some cameras i'm gonna fight that skyscraper and they're like that's not what happened in die hard did you really and uh so the movie is him die harding all up and down that skyscraper and then he gets out of it before it all goes south baby it's not very it doesn't make much sense at all um but he is in it and and (laughs) Uh, unlike that Jumanji uh, sequel, which was weirdly good. Was it really? Yeah, yeah I, it was really, really funny. I haven't felt the need to watch that. Uh, I haven't either, even. The joke yeah. is that he is the a video game avatar of a weak, spindly uh, white teenager. And he becomes this uh, incredibly buff and strong man inside of a video game. I, did God, all the time. I feel like the spindly white teenager in that scenario. I also felt like this, yes. <laughs> yeah, I feel like a spindly white teenager most of the time, so I'm I'm good. Uh, <laughs> I should watch that movie. I'll probably relate to it. And so, um, yeah, I I don't, as I mentioned, read any poetry, like at all. I think my literally last one was reading Howl when I was like sixteen, just because you know I was in that phase. Sure. So, yeah, what, I don't want to be like, what's the deal with poetry? But what is the deal with poetry right now? Like, like what, like, like what's, what's good? Like, if someone asked me what's, what's the deal with, I don't know, like video games or heavy metal music or any of the stupid atavistic things I do, I could probably give them a few hints of like what the current zeitgeist is in that. Like, but, uh, but yeah, what what's going on in poetry that I've been missing out on? Oh man, you really have been missing out. It's not Howl anymore, Damn. which I am for one am fine with. Um, <laughs> it's it's I don't know. I don't know how much poetry ever really changes, but there are little zeitgeists here and there, and there are trends for sure. I can certainly point to a few poets that I really, really admire. Um, Chen Chen, for one, is a poet that I think does absolutely jaw-droppingly beautiful work. Um, Morgan Parker just had a book come out, Magical Negro, and it's... I've seen, I've seen like, the cover of that place as people yeah, posting that. I, I feel... I don't know. Maybe you don't want to quote me on this. I want to say it was an Oprah's book club mentioned but i actually don't keep up all that closely with oprah's book club so i could be making that up in my own head entirely um let's see june geringer's book i don't write about race is also just i didn't even know that was a poetry book i thought that was just essays or something yeah no it's it's a book of poetry i've been schooled yeah you have (laughs) 
I was a big fan of uh, Night Sky with Exit Wounds. I think pretty much everyone was that that read it at least. It was um, a big crossover hit in the like broader literary world. But yeah, Gareth, poetry's been <laughs> bringing the fucking goods. What's wrong with you? <laughs> okay, I, I, I'm I'm just googling poetry, and there's a there's a poet I uh, quite like here called a, a Rupee Car. Um, I think she's really good. Uh, I probably get into her stuff. A lot of people be talking about. Her, so. I don't hate. Car. I feel like I'm supposed to, but I, I just can't do it. I think it's good that people are buying a book of poetry, even if it's not one that is my favorite book. Yeah, it reminds me a lot of the um the split that the literary world felt. It still salty white dudes still feel it of um young adult versus like adult literature, and it's like, can you wrap your head around that someone's writing a book for not you? Um, exactly. I shouldn't have to do that. I'm male, middle class, and white. That's not what I'm here for. That's, that's fair. That's sad, but it's fair. <laughs> yeah, everything is about me. But uh, is, is, is uh, Ocean Vong any good? Is, uh... Oh, I love Ocean Vong. Okay. Yeah. I really, really do. Honestly, know... you could say just about any poet right now, and I would probably just gush and melt because <clears throat> I'm first and foremost a poetry fangirl. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's good. Yeah, it, I, and what's like the scene like? Is it all like backbiting and cancellations, like young adult, or is it all like old people in MFA programs, like literary fiction, or uh, like what, what's going on in in poets? Yeah, yeah, a, a little column A, a little column B. There's a fair bit of canceling that goes on. There's also a fair bit of super successful people who maybe could stand to be cancelled, who are protected by money. I mean, you know, Tobin Wait, wait, is, there's money in poetry? Writing. There's like ten total dollars that we're all fighting over. <laughs> nice. Okay. That sounds like literary fiction, yeah. <laughs> yeah, literary fiction has about seventeen dollars and we just have the ten. Ah, oh, that, that's... Yeah, the that, numbers That's add unfair. Up. They, could, they could easily share three of those dollars and make it mostly equal that's very socialist of you to suggest look i'm i'm a commie that's i'm <laughs> here to share all 27 of these dollars <laughs> <laughs> by force if necessary that's true i'll i'll yank it from an old white dude's hand and hand a single dollar over to a poet i'll do it i'm fucked up <laughs> oh man salute our troops right I'm going to drop a motherfucking stunner on you, throw you off a damn steel cage, and take one dollar. <laughs> is Stone Cold Steve Austin, like, selling dick pills now? Is that something that happens now? I don't know if he sells dick pills, and now I'm scared, so I'm going to look up Steve Austin dick pills. Let's hope yeah. this doesn't burn me. Yeah, uh, I didn't want that's... it in my search history, so... Steve Austin gives a hell yeah to using Viagra and Cialis. Oh, at the same at once, time? Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> right? He, uh, there's a picture in Google Images of something called Big Jim and the Twins. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what that is. I'm okay. It's a, it's a penis and balls. Um, <laughs> yeah. Really? It is, Probably. yes. I'm based oh, on the... You, yeah, you nailed it. He sells those now. Yeah, apparently he, he does. Sells that's bulls? That's god-awful. <laughs> so, he's, so he's gone... <laughs> yeah, he sells, he sells balls online. Um, he's, go, <laughs> he's apparently gone back to his uh, uh, heel million-dollar man gimmick. That's good. That's good to see. <laughs> is that what a heel does? Just sells fuck-your-wife pills and, and talks about Big Jim and the twins? <laughs> I feel like that if I had to classify that as a heel or a face move, that that would yeah. be a heel move. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm feeling definitely heel for that. <clears throat> and speaking of heels and faces, have you ever seen like The Rock's like f debut as a like a cute little baby face guy, a giant like they baby tried. face guy? They right? really tried to to push him as a face unsuccessfully for years, if I recall correctly, and I don't yeah. know why it didn't work. He's so crazy charming. Like, how do you not want him to just take all your money out of your wallet? 
to be fair, they made him dress racistly because they are the WWE, and that's, you know, they do that every now and again. They're like, what right. if we did this in the racist way? And someone in the back's like, we could just let him be charismatic. And they're like, no, 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 no. We haven't tried the racism angle yet. We can't just jump to his natural charisma. There's an order here. God, yeah, wasn't yeah, he like some sort of like Samoan gimmick or something? Yeah. Because yeah, he is half Samoan. He is Samoan, yeah. Yeah. He comes from, but, I think, a, a Samoan wrestling family. Yeah, the NOIE. Um, yeah. Tons and tons of wrestlers from there. Roman Reigns. That's a big one right now. Oh, I'm so glad he's back. I was so yes. happy. <laughs> I legit cried. Uh, I both absolutely times. cried. Absolutely. I've cried about Roman Reigns more often than I've cried about, like, my dad's recent death. I mean, straight up, I have so many feelings about Roman Reigns. Wow, hard to follow the, up on that one. Yeah, <laughs> I, even ha- I even also have a dead dad, and I'm like, I, I, don't, I don't have a, an immediate follow-up for that. Nice. Oh, no, I just, I'm so used to, like, making one wisecracks about how my dad died because it's easy for me to do that I guess I do it all the time compulsively. Oh, I, d- I could stop to, doing that. To be fair, I also do it. <laughs> and it's a secret that only the Dead Dad Club gets to do because it's really funny the way that you can immediately silence a room with it. Oh yeah, Especially you can clear a room out. You're like, how many, how many uh, copies of my dad does it take to screw in a light bulb? He's dead now. He can't screw in a light bulb. And they're like, that's barely a joke. And you're like, yeah. it's true, though. <laughs> and, and it's a great joke for me yeah. internally. Everyone else who has a dead dad is like, that's a good one. I'm going to remember that. He can't screw in a light bulb because he's dead. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to write these down because my dad looks exactly like <clears throat> Jeremy Corbyn to the point where he's been uh, stopped in the streets. <laughs> and I'm sure he's going to get assassinated at some point. <laughs> or he could be like Corbin's body double and just like, like take a bullet for him or something. That's a very particular fear. That's oh, a fear yeah. that nobody else in the world knows, probably. Yeah, just Jeremy Corbin and his family. <laughs> do British yeah, not even people, him, but... Gareth? Do British people? I know you have Mister Blobby, but do you have bullets there for guns? I thought they were an American thing. Oh no! Well, I mean, you can technically get them. Like we have like, three bullets. Like, kids on, like, who are in gangs, like, I'm, I'm doing a quotey fingers thing after gangs, they, like, modify air pistols to shoot, like, 22 bullets. They modify air pistols to shoot regular bullets. Yeah, well, that's like, terrifying. tiny regular bullets. That's, like, the, uh, really small ones. Right but... Brummy? Is that British? <laughs> I mean, say... <laughs> <laughs> a, a Brummy really is just natural. someone from Birmingham. I, I, they're not more or less criminal crime than anyone else. They're just from a city. Well, it's like saying that that's more Baltimore. No, it's just a place. You don't you don't have crime capitals in Britain. We have crime really? capitals no. here. We we send all our criminals right to certain cities to do their criming. It gives right, a like character. In Robocop. Yeah, yeah. I've seen Robocop. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Robo- Robocop's basically America. Cops will roll up and shoot anybody, and nothing happens. That sucks, but it's real. Um, we have crime cities. They're not related to the cops. That's just a parallel parallel coincidence. Cool. So, yeah. Um, so, basically, uh, upshot is my dad may get shot at some point because of uh, socialism, which he would hate because he's an arch-conservative. But <laughs> I would find incredibly funny. I would bring it up at every opportunity that my dad died for the revolution. <laughs> My Tory dad died for the revolution. Yeah. Ask me how. <laughs> yeah. And I'd, yeah, and which is weird because my granddad was actually a union organizer for the Labour Party, but uh, yeah, he was like a proper commie, like a proper working class guy as well. But uh, anyway, we went off track. Uh, so yeah, uh, wrestling and um, let's let's go on to track. Onto a track of music, <laughs> seamless. That was that was brilliant. Uh, so there's this. I think we've played this band before. I'm fairly sure we have. They're called Devil Master. They're dumb as fuck. I oh love my them. god, it's so stupid. I love it. Yeah. Have you seen the video for I have. one of their songs? Yeah, it's 
it's amazing. They look like they dressed themselves from a big garbage heap. It's great. <laughs> they look like they stole a bunch of uh, Halloween decorations in like mid-December. They were in like one of those Halloween stores. <laughs> it's like, what if Tribulation drank too much poison? <laughs> and then they they desperately tried to play just music lead paint. While, while poisoned. <laughs> They're just there huffing lead paint and then decided to be a band. Uh, but uh, yeah they're from philadelphia they're called devil master they just signed to uh, relapse Relapse, yeah which is yeah as big as you can get for a band called devil master and say the album name say it satan spits on children of light (laughs) it's it's so good it is so so fucking good it's so fucking stupid it sounds like drinking beer while hanging out in front of a cure poster yeah it sounds like you're on a hot couch in a basement watching like brain dead and all your friends are there no one likes each other you've got some absolute ditch weed you've and yeah you're just everyone's having a bad time because one guy really wanted to watch brain uh, early um (laughs) film by the guy who made lord of the rings so yeah that that's devil master's aesthetic i i love it so this is uh this is the the song that the video was made for black flame candle it also has uh things called like uh tracks called devil is your master Christ's last hits skeleton hand desperate shadow her thirsty whip just glorious. i did a re- I did a review of this record, and I had to pick three tracks that I thought were the best track, and I almost legit put, they're all the same, and I love them equally. Yeah, it's like the Ramones. Yeah. They've done one good song, and they're all brilliant. So, yeah, this is Devil Master with Black Flame Candle.
devoured your book. I literally, I've read it twice now. In both instances, I read it in one sitting. Oh. Same. Uh, I, only once for me, but I, it was a single sitting one. And it's it's 66 pages, so it's a, it's a possibility, but it's still, yeah, you know. Yeah, it's it's really fucking good. Jeez, thanks, guys. <laughs> yeah, the 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 play of your prose poetry felt very um. I don't want to say airy because that makes it seem less substantial than it is. It's very substantial, but it had and readability feels like it's condescending because that's all. Mm, mm, mm. Brain words, come on, come on. We paid. <laughs> We paid too much money to get our brain words degree to not be able to words good. Um, there's a fluidity to the prose poetry and the way that you add recursive lines um, underpinning uh, certain thematic points that really made it flow exceptionally well, even as it was hitting these like really rough emotional cascades that normally you might imagine would thrust someone out of a book just for a bit to like process what they were reading. Instead, it's sort of compelled to, to sort of keep driving on, which I thought was, um, it's an impressive, tricky little technical thing to be able to pull off because it, it covers some pretty, um, I'm, I'm a like familial abuse survivor. So it hit a lot of similar, emotional spaces and those are very difficult feelings to process and to put into words in a way that is compelling and not merely garish because um, you you even touch on earlier in the book that there is uh, a way that you can use these sort of experiences to create a like a to feed into the sometimes disturbing fixation that outsiders have with trauma but the book right. doesn't stray into that. The book itself feels um, very emotive and, and inwardly, uh, not inwardly drawn, but uh, driven from the inside. Was really, really impressed with, with your prose. Just, it was super gorgeous. Thank mm. you. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, so who's like inspiring you? With, with stuff like this i mean obviously your experiences yourself themselves but in terms of the prose and in terms of the, the form and just how it all flows together like this who who out there is are you who are your guys who are your inspirations well probably first and foremost of, of my inspirations and mentors as a writer would be the she's mostly an essayist uh lisa carver is her name mm -hmm. and she taught me as I was reading her own work which deals pretty heavily in sex and drugs and abuse as well but she taught me that you don't have to write about those things with the real heavy hands and there are always going to be days even when you're living in the world as a traumatized person you're always going to have those six out of ten days you're gonna have ten out of ten days and you're gonna still be feeling your feelings on a pretty regular I guess emotional line you're not gonna be just feeling devastated 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 all day long mm. you're gonna be feeling all kinds of feelings you'll be wanting to like have a laugh with your friends over a joke and you'll get hungry and things like that and her writing has taught me that it's important to live in those middle ground feelings when you're trying to describe trauma. It's still important to talk about the goofy movie that you saw on TV. Not not a goofy movie like the one that's about goofy, but <laughs> no, it is goofy. very important to talk about <laughs> goofy. Actually, movie. either way. <laughs> when I was at my lowest, I thought a lot about goofy. Yuck. I spend most of my time, I would say I spend 23 and a half hours of my day thinking about a goofy movie. I recently, <laughs> I recently played Kingdom Hearts, so I have a lot of goofy thoughts right now. I have a lot of thoughts about that dog and what he's gone through. He is a troop. 
He's the troop. He's a single dad just trying to have it all in the big city. Wait, wait he's not a, a, a troop. Donald was the <laughs> troop. Donald was actually in the Navy. Yeah, Donald was in the Navy like a fucking cop, but Goofy's, I was gonna raising, say. A, <laughs> Goofy's raising a son all alone. <laughs> and that Whoa, son is wow. very extreme. Good That's point. true. We've, yeah, X hyphen treme. Yeah. yeah. And so, uh, good point. He is probably braver than any troop. And, um, uh, yeah, so I wanted to talk about the, I think Landon brought this up as well, the, the repetition in it, because that like super worked for me. I was like, I was like, yeah, every time something repeated itself, <laughs> I was just like holding, clutching my fish going, fuck yeah, like that, like <laughs> 80s hair metal, fuck yeah. And um, yeah, well, um, so can you just maybe talk about what? What you were going for with that? What um, like what were your thoughts behind the repetition? Were I guess with with the repetition and with the way my prose operates in my book in general, I was trying to recreate as true to life as possible my own internal thought and feeling process. And mm -hmm. I think for a lot of trauma survivors it's very true to life that you get stuck on these little loops of thoughts and you have the same unhelpful yep. shitty thought like 70 times in a row and you can't really just sit up out of your bed and stop having the shitty thought. You're just trapped there. And I wanted to recreate as faithfully as I could the experience <coughs> of being trapped in my own brain with my own thoughts with basically nothing else going yeah i mean it, it worked for me as someone who's not a trauma survivor at all but someone who like has uh, intrusive thoughts it's like a it's like if what if ptsd was about nothing it's right. just like random stuff boiling over in my brain all the time so and it reminded me of that and like a big way yeah re it really yeah like i said it really stood out and really worked for me i liked that a lot and you develop yeah, it... these little silly fixations. Like for me, it was The Rock, and I became really into wrestling again and really devoted again to wrestling in a way that I hadn't been since I was a kid. And that, you know, not to say that wrestling is of itself a frivolous fixation, but I was able to really lean into it hard because it didn't take all that much out of me emotionally. It was something that I could engage with on a very friendly feeling basis while I was still feeling so raw. Hmm. Yeah. So speaking of wrestling and Langdon's ears just pricked up like a thousand percent now. Like, <laughs> I'm like so, a woodland fox who just lifted his head out of his hole. A meerkat <laughs> almost. Um, so uh, yeah, who, who, do, who do you like in wrestling right now? Like, are you, are you still following it? Are you still uh, watching the Royal Rumbles and such? I follow it somewhat closely. I have a couple I have a couple coworkers at my day job who will just like cluster around each other's desks and deconstruct the, the wrestling matters of the week. Uh, I will forever love, love, love Roman Reigns. I don't care how hard they push him as a heel. He is my gentle son whom I love. Agreed. Um, not not crazy about this Daniel Bryan guy, TBH. Really? I, I thought was like... I love that Daniel Bryan. I love him. Also, I really? love how he cuts a heel promo and then he just says things that I agree with. And I'm like, I don't. Am I? Am I a heel? Really <laughs> <laughs> like, make you ask the hard questions. <laughs> am I the baddie? <laughs> I, I suppose, from the perspective of a multi-billion-dollar corporation like the WWE, you are a heel. We That's are. true. That's true. That's true. And I most of their audience is probably heels. I begrudgingly love those Republicans and what they've done, even though I hate, you know, them. You know, as people. Sure. Uh. So I thought, I thought, like, as as a non wrestling fan, almost like Daniel Bryan was like, I know he was supposed to be billed as a heel, but he was like a fan favorite. What 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 don't you like about him? I'm gonna show my entire ass here and say I don't like that he's a vegan. <laughs> Whoa. Damn nice. I'm just gonna come right out and say it. I okay, cut him out. Cut about him out. That entire persona. Rough him <laughs> up. So Damn. his so his heel gimmick is working then. Him being extra vegan. 
right yeah, at the camera. He is extra vegan. He's really turned the vegan up. Gareth, did you hear about how he swapped out the leather belt for a uh, a, a hemp vegan belt? leather belt? Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Hemp. It was even more vegany. Oh yeah. He's that, he he's playing cool. it up. It's it's that, hysterical. <laughs> that that's awesome and cool. He and made his I... belt out of weed. I don't know what hemp is. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, okay, that's awesome and cool for all of the, like, Midwestern dads that triggered. Also, he's okay. fighting AJ Styles. He's had mad beef with that guy, who is basically a Tennessee Republican. So he's just being extra vegan at this uh, Republican guy. I do really so like watching cool. them feuding. I, I just love a good feud. I love anybody feuding. I'll start a feud with anyone at any time just for the right? support of it. People really don't like how sometimes online I gun hard for effectively random people who are doing no harm. But it's about <laughs> cheap heat. It's just building cheap heat. Cheap heat yeah, is still heat. Right? Yeah, <laughs> Stop you doing with another podcast. We like, should. Just find one. Just go straight for Chapo and just go, go for them really hard. <laughs> oh my hard. god, yeah. You'll be David and they can be Goliath. The it's only... Classic biblical tale. <laughs> Our our only inexplicable negative review we've ever gotten was from a Chapo fan who is upset that we gave a middling review to the Chapo book. Those guys yeah, can like... be weirdly mean. One of them yeah. was super mean to me online recently, and I'm still just really? like, why? <laughs> which, which one and in, in what context? Maybe this is the start of our beef. We were uh, like no, white knight with the guys you. who does the podcast. Oh, the, oh, Chap uh, the Chapo fan. fan. Right. Yeah. He didn't like my bangs. That's wow. That's extremely <laughs> rude. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, I don't and for no reason. Yeah, and bangs are fine. You know, we're not in a, like a post bangs phase yet. Not and yet. Maybe never will be. Yeah, that's that's not cool. Okay, now I'm I'm, I'm going for Chapa. Now I'm going to take them down. Thank you. Gonna, they're going to dox you, man. <laughs> they're gonna they're gonna dox you. Thankfully, fine. We ain't got nothing to lose. Yeah, my life is disappointing. If they dox me, they'll cry. Right, I'm mediocre. They're gonna, they're gonna really turn their asses all inside out trying to figure out what I'm embarrassed by, aside from the shape of it all. <laughs> if they like pull up my bank records, they'll probably start a Kickstarter for me out of sympathy. <laughs> they're gonna try to own you by buying you medication that you need. <laughs> yeah, you're like, oh there, no, there's tons. <laughs> don't acquire free medicine for me. Yeah. No. <laughs> they'll get me a gym membership just to like own me. I tricked him into taking a lot of whey protein and lifting a ton of weights and becoming extremely chiseled and hot. Yeah. Owned. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I can't that... fucking believe that you got me so hard that now I'm extremely strong and cool and charismatic and sexy. <laughs> Is that a line from the Stone Cold Dick Pill uh, advert? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Jim and the... What was it? Jim and the Twins? Are Big Jim and the Twins. Now? Thank you. <laughs> Yeah, it, it's Jim when it's like cold outside. Oh, that makes me real sad. <laughs> it it makes us sad too when it happens. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you feel uh, an inward disappointment, like you've let God down. Yeah, sometimes really very inward, like practically like all the way inside you. Sometimes. Yeah, we're 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 given so little to work with in terms of societal expectation, and then you fuck that up, and you're like. I really am an idiot, aren't I? And they're like, I don't think this makes you stupid, but okay. <laughs> it could. It can't hurt. <clears throat> it's true. Stupid never never made any problem worse. I'm just going to say that. It doesn't need to be true. I'm just saying it. <laughs> yeah, I think... We're in a post-intelligence age at the moment, so you can say whatever you like. I'm thriving now conviction. that stupid is good. I'm, I'm on top of that game. I'm real dumb. And it's very easy to be stupid online. Oh yeah, they, want... they need it. They need stupid people in order to have online continue to function. Yeah, that's how posting works. Some people try to get all smart when they're posting. Nah, I'm not, not here for me. that. Right? I'm here to nah. make dumb posts and talk about wrestling sometimes I'm at here... the same time. I've been working all day to try to make a Desherazone Shaharazad pun. And I say pun lightly because it's literally I'm just trying to tweet a single word that's like, the Sherazad. <laughs> but I can't. It <laughs> it's not well. I'm still in the still in the woods on that one. But I, the end is in sight. <laughs> I can nail it. 
Yeah, there should be groups where you can like um, uh, workshop your uh, terrible posts and just like try and get them up to like a basic standard. I want a really high quality, low effort post. I don't want yeah. it to be a high effort post. I just want it to. Um, I have one uh, serious comment, and then it's substantially less serious comment. So I'm going to throw that uh, the serious one in first um, before I totally lose it. Um, <laughs> Your, uh, to get mildly back on track, um, your your book is a good example of um, how there's this weird antagonism between the worlds of poetry and fiction. If you get like really deep into the uh, the MFA groups, they get they get real testy about like uh, crossing the streams, getting real mad about it. But because um, it's like, no, you're supposed to be repping poetry why are you writing no you've abandoned us and it's like no i publish it through poetry press it's like they won't know that they can't read it's like if they can't read why are you mad about my book i don't know i love being mad um but your book is a good example of the the strength of that hybridized middle ground of if you were to hand your book to someone and say this is a non-fiction novella it would still absolutely work uh, presented in that format, even divorced of the notion of poetry, because and likewise saying this is a bit of prose poetry, and not highlighting the um, uh, the close ties to prosaic tradition, it would still function uh, exactly the same and still be a very strong work, because it it taps into that really fertile middle ground of um, for uh, for lack of a better way to put it, um, writing good. <laughs> when you when you write good, the book is good. It's sometimes people trick themselves into thinking it's trickier than that for some reason. I don't know what they think they're going to get out of that, but uh, your book proves that if your words are good and your thoughts are good, then the book is technically good. Oh man, those... I want to get that tattooed on my face. <laughs> That's the two elements of a book: the words and what the words are saying. <laughs> You know, you could you put down the next edition, technically good. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> it's just, it's interesting sometimes. So the, the book is obviously much better than just technically good. It's just that I find it very interesting sometimes to see um, being friends with other writers on Facebook and things eventually turns into one of them will go insane and start ranting about how x y or z has held his career back and it's never that no one buys books anymore that's never the cause no it's uh it's always some random like micro genre that popped up and is stealing all the money all all twelve dollars available all of it's gone to this one micro genre and that's also never even true um but yeah it's um sometimes people make too complex in their head the image of what makes a book good and it's like no the the mind of a poet with mind to specific details and the way that a sentence sings out and resonates with other sentences around it and then you know prosaic structure it's going to be a good book like that's yeah i think that's definitely true that a lot of writers insist on looking at writing as the zero-sum game where if you know writer a sells a book for a ridiculous sum of money writer B sells no book for no money. They just flounder for the rest of their life. And I think that simultaneously the monetizing of publishing and also the fact that there's really not money left in publishing is making everybody very adversarial and in a really unhelpful, unnecessary way. And I think maybe if people wanted to just read what they like and write what they like and not worry about all the superstitions and not worry so much about, you know, Stephen King says, I absolutely have to write every day. And this article that I read says that you should never use the word hi in a cover letter. You should only say dear and all these weird, finicky little superstitions that writers have about the publishing side. And then they could focus on what they enjoy doing on the craft side and making work that they're proud of that they would want to read. Yeah, if anything, the uh, the rise of online uh, online cultures, like plural cultures, um, 
indicate and also the plurality of publishers that have really existed for pretty much the entire 20th century like there's a big boom in the uh in the 40s and 50s and it's never really stopped is we sometimes get this perception that like if random house isn't publishing me i'm not a writer anymore and it's like i don't know how to tell someone that as a working writer there is a press that will read what you've written so long yeah. as it's not utter dog shit like if it's dog shit don't send it to anyone that's mean just just make <laughs> it better first just just hold off a second but if you're like i feel strongly about this if you put in the work there will be someone who's willing to publish that yeah absolutely uh, it's just not necessary and i also think that it's not necessary to hold publication as like yeah. the gold standard for success as a writer i mean I've been basically a burnout my entire life in every way, and my quote-unquote writing career has just been this or that person nudging me away from being a burnout and saying, you've written something that people would like to read, and me just being like, oh, whatever, and trying to push it through, and then you get lucky, and maybe your work gets through. But it also doesn't matter. If you've written something that has some of you in it, somebody is going to want to read it. You don't need to worry about publication and a contract and a book deal. You just worry about writing your writing. Yeah, it's like those those professional components are, are cool and good, and they, they feel nice, and they reach people, and all that. We all know those things, and not necessarily even to sell those short, but it, we yeah, we sometimes let capitalism creep into our brain too much and qualify what makes art making worthwhile it's something that i think a lot of uh especially people in the extreme metal side of uh the musical world get rather well because again there's no money in that there's like zero ways to make money if you're making music like that so at a certain point it's like i'm legit only going to be making this weirdo death metal record because i think it's good and i think other people will like it there's no way to even make money with this so yeah, you're you paying yourself. It's a hobby. Yeah, it's like building mo a model training thing in your basement. Except, you know, uh, Treble will say it's an amazing album, and I'll probably play it on the show. I uh, work then, for uh, Treble. <laughs> the, yeah, there's you. a little shout out. Thank you for the plug. Um. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, or or it used to be the Vice could talk about it, but they don't do that anymore. Um, yeah, so. The uh, the dumb thing I had to say is, have you seen the hour-long Garfield video? What? That is a dumb thing. Uh, oh, yeah. No, I haven't, but I'm very excited to hear about it because my friend Rachel and I are real into Garfield. Uh, yeah, Garfield's really been having... Garfield? Garfield's had a resurgence, dog. You're not you're not in yeah. right now. Oh, yeah, sure. I, I've seen the shit post in about it, but who's, like, into Garfield? Who's, like, it's yeah, my it. newspaper's come out today. Let's turn it over to the sports and Garfield section. Garfield understands the way that I feel about work and, and noodles. That's all that anyone needs to have feelings about. I literally constantly reference Garfield at work. I refer to all bad days as containing Monday energy. Oh, you're the Garfield guy. I think every workplace has a Garfield guy. I'm oh, the yeah. Garfield guy at my workplace. I'm 30 and I'm the Garfield guy. I, I harangue the teens and I'm like, you feeling that Monday energy? And they're like, please stop talking to me. And I'm like, you feeling it? It's Monday, baby. And they're like, it's Thursday. Stop. <laughs> I once had a history teacher in high school just out of nowhere say that every day felt like a Tuesday to him. Oh, it was the saddest wow. thing I've ever heard. To this day, it's yeah, the saddest geez. thing I've ever I heard. Like confiscate that guy's belt and shoelaces if someone said that to me neil if you're listening to this i'm sorry that you felt that way 10 years ago yeah, and, and reach out seriously i'm, I'm I, you know, dm me if you feel that way that's that's fine I, I will i will look after you if you're feeling that way <laughs> wow i'm gonna do everyone a solid right now and i'm gonna link the uh the youtube video itself into the chat and then i'm gonna verbally describe it for people at home very briefly <laughs> <laughs> so it's called 727-1978. It is uh, from the YouTube channel Lasagna Cat, who do uh, dramatic reinterpretations of various Garfield strips. And the title of every video is The Date of Its Publication. And for this one, 
they got uh, the actor John Bly Barrymore, uh, the the real actor, um, right, to, to sit in front of a shitty like marbled. It looks like a middle school like uh, portrait background, um, and muse philosophically about this one comic strip where Garfield where John loses his pipe and finds out that Garfield is smoking it uh, to the <laughs> score of Coon Dune by Philip Glass and he he riffs for a full hour oh that's so long he doesn't he doesn't <laughs> stop you can I highly suggest just pause it or mute it and just click through and look at there's uh there's a bit about 26 minutes in uh where around his head is swirling the symbols of confucianism uh shinto buddhism christianity and islam just the ichthys and the arm and the uh the the moon of of medina just swirling around his head as he talks about garfield Jesus, it's... that's so much theory. For... That's way too much. And, and he's talking about uh, the pipe, uh, the pipe strip, as he calls it. It's uh, a beautiful recursive bit of poetry. Um, if you watch oh, no, it, no, no, don't you put that evil on me? No. <laughs> oh, I'm gonna put this. No, evil you, on you, you. this is yours now. You own this. You're going no, to. You're... It ain't prose. Death was poetry. Yep, you're gonna, oh you're gonna, you're gonna sing the song "Fantastic" and uh, be be drawn into his dark portal. Uh, oh it, boy, howdy! <laughs> it, it's it's the best Garfield video on the internet, and that's saying something. Is it saying something though? <laughs> I I had to say that. I, it's not saying much of anything. <laughs> Okay, so yeah, we've we've yeah, you built that as the most stupid thing you'd say this uh, episode, and yeah, mission accomplished. Yeah, I had to, so, I I uh, I had to one up the the Mister Cocaine toilet. Oh yeah, yeah, that that was a, a real. <laughs> I, I thought we'd hit rock bottom at that point, but who is no. Mister Cocaine Toilet? Oh. Don't. Oh my God! I bought it. No, I bought it. <laughs> So it's a Japanese candy toilet. Uh, the toilet is not the candy racks. The toilet makes the candy. You self-assemble. I'm looking at it right now. It's a tiny pink uh, plastic squatty potty that we put together. And you fill the cistern with fizzy candy. And then you fill the cistern with water and you flush it. And the mouth of the toilet woman... Because uh, you put anime girl stickers on the toilet, so the right. bowl is her Naturally. big mouth, and it fills up with a piss-colored foam that tastes like sour oranges. <laughs> and oh, then you drink it out like of a nice candy. And then you drink it out of a Coke straw. Yeah, the most fucked up part is it was really delicious. Wow. I, I... <laughs> oh man, I'm gonna have to like go walk into the street. I think <laughs> it was. Yeah. It was a. I don't feel it. <laughs> it was a powerful evil omen, and my roommate surprised me by actually buying it. And then we uh, rode the rails, baby. <laughs> Damn. Rode the white dragon. So or decadent. Whatever. Yeah, that is. It's decadent. like being on tour with Duran Duran. <laughs> you, sh- you should make a a, a fake internet um, viral. Uh, Thing about kids doing drugs through the Mr. Cocaine toilet. <laughs> that would be that would be uh, just accurate. That's how I live my life now. Yeah, <laughs> and um, yeah, it replaced Momo for you know, which we need to do because yeah, Momo's going mainstream. I can't yeah. look Not at that anymore. picture anymore. The picture of yeah, the Momo it's... sculpture. I can't see it anymore. Times I've seen it enough times. Yeah, it's it's like when they always show pictures of school shooters, and you right. just get sick of seeing their face. I'm sick of Momo now. We need we need something new. I feel the kids need to be in something new now, I and that's Miss Cocaine Toilet. I feel for Momo the way that I feel for Domacoon, uh, which is it feels like know what that is. Uh, it's another little uh, Japanese mascot thing. It feels like it's one million years old, even though it isn't. And I feel a a, a nostalgia for something that's still around right now. 
Yeah, it kind of feels that way. Once like baby boomers get hold of something, it ages instantly. It like fossilizes completely. Yeah, and I feel that's happened to Momo. I bet it's gonna. But, I bet uh, she's gonna be on Saturday Night Live, Momo. Oh, that would be cool. Because Saturday Night Live is the biggest pile of garbage in the whole world. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say that would be cool, Gareth. I have to quit this podcast now. <laughs> <laughs> I have to go. Right well, if I away. quit first. Um, <laughs> But, okay, let, so, folks at home, folks, <laughs> go go read People's Elbow. Do go read it. It has 30 recitatives on rape and wrestling. They're all good. There isn't a bad one. It's not like you go to recitative number 16 and it's bad. No, they're all good. Yeah, it's... These are some fine recitatives. Recitatives. It's not a hard word, Gareth. You also Every have a degree. word is hard. I have a master's degree, yeah. and it's a very hard word. You, no, it's not. Shut up. Um, it's incredibly difficult. And, uh, okay, it's yeah. out on Ursus, Ameri- Ursus Americanus Press. We'll be putting the link in the show notes. Uh, links in show notes don't actually work, so you've got to, like, copy it and post it, paste it into your URL. Most podcasters don't know this. Yeah, that's and a they, secret they're they talk afraid about to tell them. You. Yeah, they talk about them as if you can just click on stuff in iTunes. You can't. It's not a browser. <laughs> and um giving away the magician's secrets here but uh let, let's uh you can follow rax online uh i think it's just at rax king am i right rax king is dead across every platform nice um yeah that's that's a, that's good i should probably you know if this podcast wasn't already called death sentence then i would add is dead to it should probably do that. Death yeah. sentence is dead is uh is a pretty good doubling down on the aesthetic though. Oh yeah. So yeah, I'll probably do that for like Halloween or something. And um But let's play out with some more awesome music here. And this is one I just randomly found. I think someone recommended this to me. Uh I don't know why, because it's like it usually wouldn't be my shit at all. I'm not super into like trad metal or power metal stuff but this just like massively worked i'm into that shit because i'm stupid and that makes my iq drop yeah this will shave a good 20 points off i need that you're not going to be in mensa anymore after this they're called chevalier they're from finland (laughs) because of course they're from fucking finland they're from helsinki (laughs) they look like a bunch of dads and there's a lady too uh, they sound like Susie and the Banshees, but also like a badly produced Iron Maiden song, but also power metal, but also speed metal. And yeah, I, they don't actually, they sound like, they don't sound like anything else on earth, but they sound like so nostalgic. Their, uh, it's like their metal archives photo has four people dressed like they're in a Brooklyn metal band and then one guy in a Ren Fair shirt. Perfect. Yeah. So do do check these guys out. Uh, this song is only on YouTube that I can see. It's called In the Grip of the Night. And uh, I'll put, again, a link to it somewhere. They've had a few albums out already. A split release with Legionnaire, named after the disease. <laughs> again, Hotels. And, um, yeah, I, I know nothing else about them. Uh, except this song is really fucking good. It's called In the Grip of the Night, and it's going to be on now, but come back next week, because there's even more shit to talk about. We will be talking about, uh, by the time you hear this, we will have talked about um, Black Leopard Red Wolf, which is already my pick for Book of the Year. It's incredible. It's... And easily the best fantasy novel that I've read in ages in that it's actually good and not something that I read because I'm ashamed and a man child yeah it's just genuinely a brilliant book so yeah start reading it and then listen to us talk about it stupidly and yeah do do buy um, People's Elbow it's it's so good folks it's a remarkable just... it's a remarkably moving book and as not a survivor of the same type of uh trauma but as another trauma survivor it was 
extremely evocative of those spaces in a way that felt um, emotionally productive to return to. It's hmm. nothing but praise for it. Yeah, Thank nothing you. but praise. So, um, can we can we get you to do to to end the episode? Can we get you to do? Can you smell what the rock is cooking? But in like his voice, <laughs> with all the shouting. Oh, okay. There's another person so, in this room. He is about to have no idea what's happening. Okay. Good. Can smell you one. smell what the rock is cooking? <laughs> okay, his chevalier. Don't!